0: <clears throat> nah, that's, that's, that's way too cool right here. Man. I'm looking at it like I'm oh, just all oh, black on black on black with shades. Nah.
1: said I want to Lars, John Fontaine. Just before we begin the podcast, please make sure you click subscribe. And also set your notifications. Please support on the Patreon account. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Young Smits Podcast. It's me, John Fontaine. And I'm here with Coach nadir Assalamu alaykum bro. Wa
0: alaykum wa salam wa barakatuh.
1: Alhamdulillah. It's very sunny out here. I'm squinting. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, um, alhamdulillah, we did a show. And uh, we got to know you a bit more, Coach Nadir a bit more. You was uh, even telling me that you was thinking about things that you'd not thought about in a long time, about your story right. to Islam. Right. You had some very important moments in your life, um, life-changing events, I would say, um, that not everyone usually goes through uh, such you know, uh, traumatic experiences in some level. Um, but all these things kind of helped you kind of shape as a human being. As a man as a father, as a husband, so um, today I wanted to speak about because there's a lot of uh, need for more knowledge and experience on family, right. and I know you're you're somewhat of a pro at this because you got you got <laughs> you, you, you have a few children yourself, Mashallah. Yeah, I would I and would say e- a pro. but <laughs> I'm working through it, <laughs> um, but you, Mashallah, you have. Um, quite a lot of children mashallah yes and uh, so you you know you have different you know experiences that you've had over the years i'm sure the way you raised your eldest children is not the same as the way you raise your youngest children (laughs) because obviously you develop over time true true indeed so bismillah (laughs) well uh,
0: for those who don't know um i'm my background wise my mother is boricua puerto rican and my father was black american and what they call african-american right so I was the oldest of six. Now they both came from big families. So my father came from a family of seven and then his, my grandparents, his, his mother, came from a family of 13. On the other side, my mother's um, family, my grandmother's family, my mother came, she was the oldest of six and my father was the second of seven and you know, all these numbers and stuff. Then my mother's mother, my grandmother came from a family of 16. Oh wow. Well. So pretty big on both sides. Now I, as the oldest of six, said, you know what? Two kids are good enough for me. Boy, girl, that's it. This is what I'm saying in grade school as, as a young child. But, you know, you mentioned different life altering events and challenges. Well, one of the things that I, I did growing up, I questioned a lot of stuff. And, I, you know, we kind of shared that uh, before, <clears throat> excuse me, on my conversion story. But I knew that I didn't want when I became a man, my family to operate in the same way the family that I was part of. So when you talk about dysfunction, you know, dysfunction is just looked at as normal these days. So when there's alcoholism, when there are other drugs involved, if there's sexual abuse in the family, if there's domestic violence in the family, all of these things, sadly, are becoming so common that, for example, in the United States, every 18 seconds, a woman goes to the ER as a victim of domestic violence. All right, so she's beat up, either broken bones or cut or what have you, or bleeding, so that she has to go to the hospital, right? I couldn't stand that because I witnessed some of that when I was a child, okay? Mm. So I knew that as a as a man, when I became a man, this is not what I want in my home. You know, sometimes there are studies that say, well, if this happened in your home, then you're likely to go ahead and do that, right? And I didn't believe that. I'm like, look, it's a choice. Yeah. You know, and I knew that as a kid. Before being Muslim, anything else, I'm like, I'm not going to have that in my home. As a man, I want to be the man, whatever at least I pictured that to be, whether it be for my grandfather or so on. So I just had some ideas and concepts mm. that were... Able to be formed as I after I had become Muslim because now you have the best
1: example. You know I want, uh, You know obviously, in, 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 this is something now you have to. It's not something that you grew up with necessarily. It's something you learned and studied. Right. So how did Islam play a part in that? And and you know, compared to uh, non-Islamic knowledge mm-hmm. on the subject, how does it compare? Well, here's the deal. I have met uh, my
0: initial wife, Coach Fatima, when I was a freshman in high school. I was 14 years old. So I've known her more than half my life, alhamdulillah, right? So I, and I, I saw her, when I saw her, I just knew that was, that was going to be my wife. And I told her this later on. I didn't, like, come on, you're going to be my wife. No, nah, I was not desperate. I didn't have game none of that stuff, right? <laughs> but, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to marry her. And I told my father that. And anyway, so five years later, we got married. It was bumpy road, but it is what it is. That's life, right? Now, once I become Muslim during that time, back in 95-ish, 94, 95-ish, I said, okay, I see who my family is. I see all these different things I've experienced in tragedy to triumph. Um, where Islam came it's like, okay, here's this person, Muhammad, alayhi mm-hmm. sallallahu Here's this person, and here's this Quran. All of this stuff was new to me. So now I have the opportunity to start as a clean slate. Mm. So I had to understand the difference between relatives and family because my relatives give me a lot of pressure. Oh, you Muslim. This is a phase. That's ridiculous. How can you go against your parents? You were raised as a Christian. What are you doing? That stuff is out there. All of that stuff. And then, you know, it affected me emotionally. But I'm still I have to be my own man and I was going to be my own man. Mm. So when I came across the story, Prophet Noah, and we know the story of the flood and all this type of thing. The the part that really impacted me the most is when he had cried out to Allah Ta'ala about Allah, uh, the promise that he would save his family mm-hmm. and Prophet Nuh saw his son drown in front of him, right? His son rejected and rejected the Dawah and everything for all these years and Allah Taala just simply reminded him, he's not from your family, mm-hmm. he's not from your family and then as you study of course more you, you begin to see all these family dynamics in the Quran mm-hmm. you see Prophet Ibrahim salam, and the situation with either some say his uncle or his father Mm. Right, you see the situation with Prophet Yaqub and Yusuf, and then his sibling rivalry with his brothers and everything. Mm. So you see these different challenges and how Allah Taala talks about them. Of course, Allah Taala says, "Inna The believers are nothing except brothers. So once I understood family versus relatives, I was able to be freer. Or instead of "atoba," when Allah Taala says in translation, Look at me, do not take your father." fathers or your brothers as your awliya your friends your allies your protectors yeah. right if they prefer kufr to iman mm. so it began to change me like hold on this is not your family you're related to them yes they have rights over you absolutely but your family are those who say la mm. right so that implored me to see what family is really about mm. you know so i went from okay i'm the only muslim in my family Mm. So I can't have two children or else guess what? The, the generations are just gonna fall back and mm. the generations are gonna fall back anyway to Kufr if you look at mm. Prophet Ibrahim alayhi right? Generations had come before the Prophet Muhammad sallam, and they had become Kufar. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So who am I to think my children or children down the line won't happen somewhere, but I don't wanna be that weak link. Mm. So I decided, you know what, I wanna have more than two children. We'll see what happens and it kind of plays out. So mm. with Coach Fatima and I were married, we were married for fifteen years in monogamy we had six children, sure. I right. had four daughters first, which is excellent, which is great, yeah, sure especially, nice. well, first of all, the only hadith that deals with um, Jannah and, and children that can protect you if you probably educate them and raise them and everything else is with daughters. They don't, we don't have the hadith with sons. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to get that, but then um, also had two boys. So that was the first 15 years of marriage and I got married again with Coach Nyla and we had three sons and she already had two children. So I, biologically, I'm the father of 10 children, double digits. That's, that's five sure. times as many as I thought I was going to have. And then also an additional uh, two bonus children with a blended family. So
1: sure. but
0: my thing was now I have to anchor them somehow with this dean because mm. the pull of the West, pull of these different ideas and things that look so glittery and shiny that I was exposed to. It was a certain lifestyles, a fast lifestyle. It was the women. It was the drugs. It was the glory. It was the chase of the money is the materialism. Mm. All of that stuff was attractive. It has a strong pull. But I didn't want to lose my children to that. And I saw other people, other Muslims, their children going right towards what I was wanting away right from. So it going toward the gangs. It was going toward getting out. They were going yeah, toward yeah. the same things that I was running away from. And I'm like, I don't want my children to do that. Mm. So then I had to study. You know what i saying? Then I had to study. Okay, what does this mean? How did the Prophet deal with this? Mm. How, how many children did he have, right? Then you expand beyond that because the Prophet Sallam also stated that. Wisdom is a lost property believer where he finds he's most deserving of it. So you can study anything. It's beneficial knowledge. But it's important that it has some type of practical value. Mm. So I began to study leadership, teamwork. I got involved with entrepreneurship. I had mentors that really saw more in me than I saw in myself. So they started to put me on a plan to be a leader. Mm. All right, and Even though it was business, the same principles were timeless. So being able to lead myself first, having the self-discipline and awareness, then being able to lead my wife, and that led to us... <clears throat> forming what's called outstanding Muslim parents. Mm. So I came up with a a format called the three C's and the three E's, right? That's general for the three stages our children go through. So the framework goes like this. For parents, as a father, as a mother, we're celebrities to our children. Mm. All right. Now mom is a superstar, no question. We know when that baby's first born, doesn't want us as much as mom, right? Mom has the food. Mom has everything. She's the nurturer. She's the superstar. Dad's a star. Yeah, you're okay. But until a few months go past, I need mom. I want her. I want what she has. Okay. So no question, right? There's a little jealousy going on, but hey, it fits. So mom, is, we're celebrities. Now being a celebrity, what do you have to do as a celebrity? You have to be that role model. People are looking towards you and your children are looking towards you more than anything else. And they're around you more than anything else. So being that celebrity, you have to model the type of behavior that you're looking for, that you want to. You have to demonstrate that in front of them, because any person that's going to follow you or be a student of you mm-hmm. will rather follow what you do over what you say. Mm-hmm. See, my father said something to me when I was younger. Both of my parents smoked until my father died. Rahimahullah, and my mother still smokes. All right. So I'm seeing the cigarettes and they got married. They got married when they were 21, but they gave birth to me when they were both 16. So they were teenagers. Now. Mm-hmm. I tried to smoke when I was five years old. Why? Because I saw the cigarettes in an ashtray Mm. and I picked it up and tried to smoke and I choked really bad. Now, my father caught me and he said, you know what? Don't do what I do. Do what I say. Mm. I found that to be very hypocritical. You know, so I don't like the idea (laughs) of saying do what I do, not what I say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, do what I say, not what I do, because it doesn't make any sense to me. That's like a hypocrite. Why don't you do what you you know what you say? So I didn't want to be that type of father. I want to be the father that I'm not gonna drink a beer and tell my son I don't drink a beer.
1: Yeah.
0: Islam doesn't do that. Islam is like, listen, the children can do whatever they want to do right now. Mm. And then at a certain age, they're accountable, but it's reversed in the West. It's like, okay, you can do whatever you want to do when you're grown, mm. but as a child, no, you have all these restrictions. So you can't drink this, you can't eat, you know, it's backwards. So I didn't want to have that lifestyle. So I began to study more about family, different relationships and so on, and decided, you know what, let's have a bigger family. So the, the format, number one, is celebrity. The second one is the confidant. This is where it becomes tricky.
1: Mm.
0: Because as a confidant, you want to be approachable enough so your children can come mm. to you and ask you questions.
1: You know, just, just back to that first point, it's a very, very good way of looking at it. When you, when you think about that concept that you are a celebrity for your children, you mm. realize the, the value, you know, the, the importance of always being on point, you know, like you said. You know, they're going to they're going to imitate you. They're going to copy you. Mm-hmm. And that's actions, what
0: people do yeah. with celebrities. They do it all the time. Yeah, they do it. With athletes they do it. Now, here's the thing, though. The first stage is kind of the one through seven year old stage. Then mm-hmm. there's the eight to preteen. And then there's the teenager's young adults. Now, your influence can become smaller as their other circle, their sphere of influence increases. Mm-hmm. So cousins, uncles, friends, schoolmates, strangers, television, all of those things that start coming into their life. So initially you are that superstar. Right, And they're going to imitate you. I remember a sister had asked my wife. She's like, why do you make your daughters wear this scarf, this kimar, this hijab? They're only five years old. My wife just looked at it. She said, hmm, I don't make them wear anything. Mm. They want to be like their mother. Mm. So they go and they play with the scarves. and They do that kind of stuff. And then what I would do was that I learned from um, Imam Siraj, Hajj, you know, he said, you know, we need to celebrate our daughters. Mm. So when you, and he said, it, you know, how he speaks so, you know, passionately, he said, mm. you know, oh, Fatima, you look so beautiful and everything. You know, so I'm like telling my daughter, oh, you look so beautiful. And they're imitating their mother. So they go out, they have their style and they've worn it since since before yeah. puberty. It's just they a part of life. It it. Yeah. They're imitating that celebrity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm. very, very important mm. in understanding that. Yeah. Number two is that confidant, though. We also have to help our children read between the lines. Mm. See, I remember, like most people, you know, there's usually anchors in different events that may happen where you remember exactly where you were uh, when an event occurred or somebody may have passed or there's a big world event like 9-11, right? I knew exactly where I was, what happened when I finally got home, I was driving a taxi cab and stuff like that at the time, and saw this building get hit. And I'm like, mm, my children were going to a Muslim school at the time. I'm like, nope, got to get to a Muslim school now. Let's go get my children, you know? So... We tried a number of different things, but as a confidant, we have to help them read between the lines. You know, what does it mean when all of a sudden now this is a terrorist or this is a thug? You know what I'm saying? Or this person Mm. is a lone wolf mentally disturbed. Mm. And we live in America, which was the height of white supremacy. So we know code words when we see it. Mm. But we have to help them understand that. Or these um, Muslim progressives and so on or these liberals, you know, understanding what these terms actually mean and what's behind it or the feminist stuff they have to be able to understand so as a confidant you have to be able to help them read between the lines but they almost they also have to be able to come to you to have discussions and have that trust so that's the second Mm seat. the third one is the coach Now, many times we know what we know what a coach is now here's the thing Mm -hmm. about coaches all the best people in the world and what they do have coaches if you're a public speaker you have a public speaking speaking coach one of the best public speaking coach not public one of the best voice coaches in the world is roger love i had the pleasure to meet him um several years ago but you talking about music artists. I don't care if you're talking about Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna. you talk talking about somebody today, you know, Lady Gaga and them, or whatever. All these celebrities go to this guy, right, as a voice coach. Tony Robbins used him as a voice coach. Rennie Bashar, all of these celebrities and mm-hmm. high people, right? Yeah. Court, basketball. LeBron James is still in the game now. Kyrie Irving is in the game now. Michael Jordan, my day, right, greatest of all time, in my opinion, had coaches. They couldn't beat them on the court, but they could see their game. They could see where they need strengths. Or what, it, what they need to work on so far as their witness, uh, weaknesses go. All these type of things. So the coaches see this, right? But the coach's job as parents is basically 90% demonstrating and training and teaching and 10% punishment. And I have to use that word because sometimes people say you have to discipline your child. Yeah, of course you do. But what they mean is punishment. Yeah. All right? And it's there's a big difference because you can operate with fear or you can operate with faith. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not we can't rule out punishment. It doesn't make sense. One, because it's in the sunnah. It's in the sunnah. Proper place, the sunnah, Let us know. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't have to implement it, but he let us know verbally um, about certain things. So this mm-hmm. is what I mean. 90, 10 ten. Ninety percent of the time you have to show them what to do, tell them what to do, help correct mm-hmm. them, see their weaknesses, give them love and nurturing. And one of the ways to do this, for example, I do with parents as I talk about Asr. Not the prayer time officer, but an acronym or uh, acrostic in English, ASR, that's after salat recharge. So after you pray, you give each other hugs. This stimulates oxytocin. Hug hug each other for at least three seconds. It's three to six seconds. You stimulate oxytocin during that time. You have mirror neurons that fire off. and That's just the neurological side. But forget the science part. Hug your children. Tell them that you love them. Hug your wife. Tell them that you love them. Let them see parents in a healthy relationship loving
1: you know what Again, I'm saying? this is something the Prophet something did. And some you know, many people
0: don't. Yeah. And Muslims don't unless it's uh, tragedy or something like that mm. going on. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't say, I love you. Like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for that for so long. We, we shouldn't uh, allow our people to um, fast from love, mm. you know, especially our children. Yeah. All right? And it also helps them with an affinity for the Salat because they know when it's time to pray, everybody's going to get hugs afterwards. And, of course, when I say everybody, for me, that's kind of big because all the children come and we hug and we go you know, you have a bunch of kids, it's going to take a while to happen. If you just have one, no worries. Everybody just hug them, squeeze them, you know, kiss them and stuff like that and say you love them. So that is part of coaching.
1: Yeah. back back to the I want to ask you about the discipline part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you explain how you discipline your children and the difference, as you said, between discipline and punishment?
0: Yeah. yep, That's what I'm coming to next, because 90 yeah. percent is that demonstrating and training. Right. That 10 percent is punishment,
1: mm.
0: not punishment. Here's the thing, I grew up in a household where punishment was whatever. Punishment now is classified as abuse. Where I was coming from, it didn't matter. There's a belt, <laughs> you get caught, you you know you're gonna get physically hit. That's that's the thing to go to. Mm. So they lived, operated in in more fear. And I remember when I was younger, I was like, I'll never spank, never whip my children, none of this type of stuff. Now that's not true. And, you know I have, but I'm just saying now there are levels to it. Mm. You know because when you think about it, these are little humans. All right, mm. Alhamdulillah. Their prefrontal cortex, again, going back to some neurology, prefrontal cortex in their brain is, is not fully developed until they're 25 years old. That gives mm-hmm. us the ability to pause, to be self-aware when we make decisions. Mm-hmm. And our children, they don't have it, so it's, in general, it could just be an instant reaction to something, yeah. it, depending on maturity, but usually the brain, the brain period doesn't finish till about 25 years old. But good training helps in the process. So when I talk about discipline, one thing, especially fathers, we have dad voice. So something is as simple as if there's noise being made, and I say, hey, that's like the second level, because the first level is to be able to see so mm-hmm. they can see you. You see them and something's going on. and You give them a look. They know exactly what that means. It's silent. They read the energy and body language. You don't have to say much. Usually that's enough. All right, That's mm-hmm. punishment. That just lets you know, let them know you're not pleased with what they're doing mm-hmm. and to check the action. That's usually enough. Enough. that's usually
1: enough the for, the,
0: for the fathers. Hmm. Sometimes they test the mothers more. They do. Hmm. Now, this is normal, right? So, But I would also let you know that one of the early parts is to switch up your attitude. What I mean is if you're somebody that shouts all the time, do this, yeah, I do that. I don't know why you complain. Once you get quiet and they notice a change in behavior, that can be enough. Hmm. Or if you're somebody that's normally quiet and reserved, like myself, for example, and then I raise my voice... Or ask, what's, really, what's going on here? They know, yeah. You know, so just by changing our own demeanor, our own behavior, that creates a, a pattern shift in them. See, we have to be smarter because if we just go and throw something at a kid, they're not understanding what's, what's behind that, especially mm-hmm. younger. But you can start with changing your demeanor, giving a look, raising a voice. These are all small things, right? Now, if they intentionally... Willfully now nah, using these criminal terms like in a criminal legal code, right? Intentionally willfully are disobedient, disrespect you, or harm somebody else. There's certain things where there's lying, right? If it's um, well, lying is a big one because that's usually where so children would so be. You,
1: so, you're making a distinction between if this was a, an intended sin, an intended mistake, or an intended right,
0: right, y- absolutely, you know, then,
1: then something that's a mistake. Generally, they've not, they've not got the, yeah, it just, the, just the knowledge or the ability to, you know, so you, you actually teach them.
0: They know yeah. you have to. That's the yeah. thing. They don't belong to us. They're in a manner for us. Yeah. They're a trust for us. And I tell parents, I want you to be greedy, very greedy. They're like, greedy? She shouldn't be greedy. Greed isn't good. I'm like, greed is great. Mm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the Prophet, let us know there are three shortcuts, there are three benefits, and we need to take all the hacks and cheat codes we can get. Right? Mm. After we're gone, your book is closed, mm. except three things. So we need to figure out what these three things are, right? One is a righteous child who prays for you. Mm. Now, the key word is righteous. So if we're going to be greedy, we want to try to help raise some righteous children. Mm. Not children that could look back on abuse and other stuff and uh, look for make other ways our to our try to satisfy,
1: fine hope. And, <laughs> Instead of making do for you, they're making do our obligation. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's yeah. not, it's not healthy, right? Yeah.
0: And then, of course, we know the other two, we don't need to get into those. But that righteous child that prays for you. Yeah. You know, so being intentional in your parenting, doing it on purpose matters. Right. So we'll, we'll continue with the discipline part. The next level is, you know what? I don't want to just go and start hitting a child because they did something like this. Mm. But what you can do is help strengthen them. Mm. You strengthen them mentally by adjusting them physically. Mm. Now, what does that mean, Coach Nadir? It sounds weird. <laughs> you know, I've heard that before. Well, one thing you can do if you have ever practiced martial arts or seen it, you probably heard of the horse stance. Stance, you bend your knees, you, you get in a certain position, and you stay there. It helps build your adductors and your quads and yeah. really helps a lot with your confidence because you also recognize after about 30 to 45 seconds, the lactic acid kicks in, it begins to burn a little <laughs> bit, it starts to hurt, right? And it's amazing the concentration you get yeah. with a child mm. when they start to feel their body acting up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, you know, it's uh that you make them one prefer the slipper to the, uh, to this. Hey, hey man, listen,
0: it's simple. Now the yeah. other part is this is also a form of exercise. Yeah. So it helps strengthen your body. Mm. Now, if you have a child that's really, really strong and you're doing that a lot, <laughs> that means it must be mischievous, but, or you could, you know, have them sit up against the wall in a horse stance or get into the plank push up position. Mm. All right. And then you can speak with them. You want to have a conversation, ask them why they did some things, how can they done things better. And it's, mm. it can be funny. <laughs> It can be funny. I, I'll give you an example. I had two two of my daughters. I don't recall what they got in trouble for, but my wife and I are sitting on the couch. They're in trouble, and they had to hold their arms out. And it's nothing, you know. You just hold your arms out. See, this is nothing in general, but once you do this for a minute, minute and a half, it starts getting heavy. And if you're holding something, it gets even heavier. So we had to hold some books. So they're holding books, and they had they were fighting and arguing after we told them several times not to. And they were just going at it, right? There was no need for them to do so. So, <laughs> so. so, my wife and I, we were like, okay, hold And you know, what was the problem? This and that. And they're explaining as they're holding the arms are getting heavy and they're, they're crying and stuff because they got caught and everything. And they're like five years old, maybe seven, seven and five, something like that, right? So, then we had them put it up over their heads because you want to change positions, right? So she's holding it and then they turn to each other like, I'm sorry for doing it. I'm sorry. Mm. I shouldn't have did this. And It was funny. It was just funny to us, man. You know, mm. looking back at it now, it's hilarious. Mm. But it's better than going immediately and in, inflicting physical pain. You know what I'm saying? Well, now you got to get a spanking for this or that. Now, there are times for that. You know what I'm saying? I can't say that there's not times for that mm. because that will be going against what the Prophet, Prophet ﷺ, said when it comes to teaching your children um, to pray at seven. And by 10, if they don't do it, then they get a spanking. Yeah. All right. Now, we haven't done anything like that under spiritual or Islamic stuff at all. It's more for the lying or being wrong or something like that to the point where not only do you know better, but you have ill intent and -hmm. try to hurt somebody else or your sibling and stuff like that where, you know, we've had to deal with those type of situations. But if you start on the low end and then you speak to your child. Now, I'm not the best when it comes to articulating Well, this happened because of this and that. No, but that's why i married. You know, they complete me. So my wives will go. They'll have, a <clears throat> they'll have the conversation of, you know, why did this happen? You know, mm-hmm. or do you see how you brought this along and da, 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 and how can this have been done better next time? And what can we do to help? They do that great. Way far better than I do. If mm-hmm. I do it, I have to calm down or something because I'm like, because mm, you're not supposed to discipline them anyway when you're angry. You have to mm-hmm. kind of cool off and be clear-headed. Mm-hmm. But I know that they willfully did something and I'm not going to talk to them about that. My wife's going to talk to them about mm-hmm. that. Unless she's not around, then I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and conversation.
1: This is important. The, the point about Trying to recognize as a parent, like if they really in, intended to do something bad, or if it really genuinely is, is a mistake, you know, and rectifying that by actually educating them on where they went wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and not just jump into discipline all the time. But it's not fair, right?
0: Not at all. Matter of yeah. fact, I remember one of my first memories. Um, it, it might have played impact. I don't know. But now that I think about it, I was I was like five years old, right, and my sister was. Three and a half, maybe four. Something happened, I don't know what happened, but I was at the piano at my grandmother's house, my Puerto Rican grandmother's house. I'm near, my sister's with me playing. I think something was missing, something was, uh, I don't know. But all I know is my grandmother asked me where something was. I said, I don't know. I, and I didn't know, it had nothing to do with it. She was upset. She thought I was lying. So I got slapped on the side of my face. Like, bam! Mm. I just remember it was like the worst slap ever. Probably because it's probably the first time I ever got slapped in my face. But it was like, boom, and I'm like, totally innocent, Mm. totally innocent. I don't know what happened to the rest of the situation. Mm. Something was found later. I have no idea. I just know it's totally innocent, but that was her instant reaction. Mm. And that stuck even till now. I can think about that and be like, that was just so wrong. Mm. I didn't even get an apology. All I remember is I got hit hard across my face, and we already know in Islam, you can't do that anyway. But I didn't want to be that type of parent. That just jumps on. You know, i got beat, you know, or whooped quite a bit sometimes for things I didn't do. You know what I'm saying? So I never had a conversation. Well, I can't say I never. I probably did. I don't remember having conversations about why I got a whooping or how different things like that. That just wasn't part of my parenting or my father, you know, explaining certain things. He explained why I didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. But that wasn't there so mm-hmm. for me that was dysfunction because now i'm looking at the prophet who never had to do that at all physically discipline anyone mm-hmm. you know or physically punish anybody under his control from his household mm-hmm. and i know that that's rare but that's still on that scale of discipline but again that's only 10 percent of the time yeah because if we are modeling that 90 percent we're being that celebrity and we're helping him with the strength and weaknesses and understanding then we recognize mm-hmm. that the vast majority of life that's going to be very small and you mentioned mm-hmm. that um you're sure that I'm I changed my parenting style from my oldest children yeah. who are now in mid 20s and um, to my youngest children. It's absolutely right. Got to smarter. Now, the three st- three C's are still there. Of course, the celebrity, the confidant, and the coach. No question. But what is changing is the three E's. The, that's the E stands for engage. And then there's equip and there's empower. Those are the three E's we use at all these different stages of life. Right. So right now, my oldest, she's 26 years old. So celebrity and confidant coach, that's still there. But she doesn't need necessarily parenting. It's just more guidance. Mm. So her and her husband right now, she's pregnant. And by the time people are watching, she probably made me a grandfather. Not a grandfather or anything yet, but probably be more gray hairs. <laughs> Inshallah to Allah, to Allah to make the child healthy and righteous. I don't know mm-hmm. what that I means. But parenting her is different than my three-year-old. You know, so now a three-year-old, there's a lot more talking, a lot more explanation, a lot more exploring that happened because I was very, uh, as a new Muslim, you know, I'm like, look, we're going to be firm on this. We're going to be here. This is, this is what it's going to be. You're going to go to this Muslim school. You're going to da-da-da. All these different things because you have this idealized way and then you're brand new. Mm. My parents never parented on purpose. Yeah, we had fun times. We went to different events and we had food. And, we, you know, we, we had a lot of stuff, but we also struggled and stuff too. Mm. So there are many different things. You know, and they see it. And I remember when I was younger, I was like hearing my parents talk about their parents. So my grandparents, they're like, when I was a kid, you never let me get away with what you let him get away with. <laughs> so for me, they were softer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you kind of learn that softness and wisdom as you grow up. So we become softer, but it's not necessarily a softness, it's just becoming wiser. Mm. So being able to speak more, to be able to differentiate when you look or speak or get to these different levels mm. faster, how a child accelerates during the punishment part or how to adapt to um, your personality types. Mm. You know, so alhamdulillah, you know. It, it's just being progressive on it. And it also changed when I started practicing polygyny. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Polygyny, you know, just to define some terms, people usually say polygamy, which is fine. Polygamy just means multiple spouses. That's kind of the umbrella term, all mm. right? In Islam, we practice polygyny, which is what most people are talking about anyway when they say polygamy. Mm. Polygyny means a man or husband who is married to multiple women. Mm. Then there's the term polyandry, which means a woman or a wife that's married to multiple husbands. And then there's polyamory, which means uh, people just have multiple lovers, yeah. not necessarily married, but they have open consensual relationships. And we talk about polygyny. Polygyny is the only one that's family based. Yeah. Everyone knows who the father is. But polygyny also requires that you become more than twice the man. Yeah. Now, of course, it's not for everybody, yeah. and I'm gonna tell you why. Even if every man on earth qualified for it, there's not enough women. OK, in the United States, if every eligible man was married to every eligible woman, they still leave four million women unmarried. Hmm. OK, but there's not more than twice the amount of women on earth than it is men. So clearly, it's not for everyone. However, it is for those and it should make a man strive to become more. Hmm. All right. Our strongest desires that we have as men, we have to understand we're not women. So I don't get with the, the man, man shaming. Oh, you just want to do that for sex and blah, blah, blah. Well, did you say that about your marriage? I ask people. So, okay. Mm. Did your husband just simply marry you for sex? Mm. It's probably more than that then, wasn't it? That's
1: a good point. Yeah. You know,
0: so now mm. let's not dismiss this. This is an ancient form of marriage that has a lot of modern day solutions. Mm. You know, the city I come from, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 80% of the households are run by single mothers. Mm. Single mothers. Now we know that women are looking more, looking at different things in the relationships. They're looking more for security, right? And men look more for beauty and they look for peace. We're different, but we complement each other. So if you have a man who is capable financially and can spend the time, then they should be pursuing to marry more than one wife. Hmm. See, marriage is a serious commitment. People think, oh, it's just for sex. No, it's, hmm. there's many things you can do for sex. I mean, a whole lot of stuff. You don't have to be responsible. See, Islam requires that a man is responsible for mm-hmm. his pleasures.
1: You know, the key, the key to it is it's, it's marriage. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's not just uh, like a relationship where you can come and go. Because like, mm-hmm. that's how it is. It, you know, people who are not religious, people who are not uh, Muslim, you know, a lot of people are just in and out of relationships. You know, that's a- exactly why you Muslims single, are too. Single parents, single mothers, yeah. you know, raising kids on their own. You know, that's not what we're talking about. You know, no, we're not talking about, you know, a man. And a woman committing to each other for the sake of Allah, you know, to, and, and agreeing to live their life by the rules of, of Islam. Exactly. The Natural, yeah. normal, holistic, nuclear family. Yeah, You know, I, I have a question actually, back to the, the discipline mm-hmm. thing about children, just before you move on. How, because you, you have, um, uh, your, your, your wife has two children uh, from before. Yes. How is it different? How how did you treat the did you or did you treat the children differently when it comes to discipline? Uh, children that you know, your own children and children from your wife. No,
0: that's a good question because you know, how is that? That's come up, that's come up quite a bit because again, yeah. if you're married to someone or going to marry someone that has children already, they already have a background. They already yeah. have they have different you know different different fathers clearly. So. How do you fit into that? And mm. then, of course, your wife's supposed to be with you, be have obedience and all this kind of stuff. How does that work? Mm. Well, initially we spoke. We had to have an understanding. Listen, I'm, you know, I'm the man. i the man. this so what I do for other children? But the thing is that when you marry. All right. She should already be evaluating that a single mother should already be evaluating you as a man. Mm. So little did I know she was already evaluating me as a father, as a man, different things I was doing mm. before having her wally even reach out to me. OK, or her or killed even re- reach out to me. But for me, seeing what I was already doing, I didn't want to I did not want them to feel different. Mm-hmm. You know, people say stepchildren. Right. And I feel like I'm st- treated like a stepchild. That's an insult. So we don't use the term stepchild. We say bonus child. It's a bonus child. They already had these children. Mm-hmm. Now, the fathers may choose to be around and not choose to be around and co-parent. But me as the Imam of the family, I have to look at the best example. When the Prophet, I sat stepchildren in his home. Mm-hmm. Already allowed, I, already had, I already had some children. Yeah. You know, many of us don't know that. Or mm-hmm. you look at uh, Zaid. You know what I'm saying? Was it Zaid? Zaid, yeah. yeah. Zaid ibn Haritha. Yeah. Uh, radiallahu anhu, growing up in his household, mm-hmm. his own son, right? So mm-hmm. we look at these examples that the Prophet, peace be upon Treated him the best. Mm-hmm. Loved him and everything. And I wanted to be that. So if your father's not going to be there, that's not my fault. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to hold back who I am as a man mm-hmm. because you may have a different father.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I'm saying? So my children, uh, biological children, you just say, Abby. Right, say Abi, you know, which means my father. Or they say Abu sometimes. Mm. But then my bonus children, they say Abu. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They can say Abu, whatever, to any of my other children, they just say Abu, mm. right? They know where their fathers are, they have relationships and stuff hey. like that, no problem. But it was on me as a man, if I'm gonna run the household, then I'm gonna run the household. Yeah. And since I wrote a book, you know, Muslims' parenting on purpose and had these different things and had this framework, it made stuff easier. Because you have to have that open communication with your spouse to make sure you're on the same page. Mm. You don't want to have all oh, this favoritism over here mm. and then over there is a problem. Because remember, a lot of Allah talks in the Quran, right, about uh, Prophet Yusuf, al-Islam, and his brothers. And then we go and look, and we find out, oh, Prophet Yusuf. And then what could be his, his brother, even though he's not named in Islam, but from Bani Israel And I was raised as a Christian. He said his name was Benjamin. Well, they had the same mother. So it looks like these other brothers were jealous. Mm of him and his love for, you know, they, they were jealous of their father, Yaqub love, but at least that was the excuse they gave to treat him bad, hmm. right? And I did not want to be a father, and we know that these are the prophets, they have, are the best and utmost character. So he hmm. wasn't treating anybody in a wrong way whatsoever, but this is what their perception was. And I don't want them to feel like they're off to the side or anything like hmm. that. And since they were young anyway, when, when we got married, um, what was this, 11 years ago? Yeah, so my bonus daughter, for example, she's only four, yeah, so. you know, and then her brother was only nine. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in their lives. We're all going to different events together and everything. Everybody's just, you know, it's part of the family. Mm. So my first son with um, Coach Nile, of course, is younger than both of them. Mm. So they weren't left out like, OK, you go over here and we'll do this. Like, nah, I don't mm. I don't believe in that because that's not what men do. And, and we're that, the protectors and maintainers of women. It doesn't say we're the protectors mm. and maintainers of only wives.
1: Yeah. And how and how was how was your if you don't mind me asking your, your wife in terms of giving you that kind of freedom, I guess, you know to, to you know to support her children and 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 discipline and raise her children the way you want to do it you know because some people have this issue no it is rightfully it's like, so because you know, listen
0: man abuse is so rampant mm-hmm. sexual molestation is rampant it doesn't matter the community we talk talking about muslims mm-hmm. we talk talking about non-muslims this is real mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um i, I recently read a post online where a woman had said you know how many women, you know? She said, like, no judgment. We're not gonna ask you any details, but how many women have been assaulted by a man or a boy and have never re- um, reported it to the police? Mm-hmm. And she said, I'll start myself first. Just say yes if you have. There was yes. There, it was about 95% yeses. Mm-hmm. And it was so sad, and it really just it angered me, right? Mm-hmm. So to see that, but well, we're supposed to be called moon. We're supposed to be the ones who stand up for women. You know, so when we spoke and she already had known, because, again, I was more of a, I can't say a public figure, but I was a visible figure in business and in the local community Mm. and doing different things. So Mm. she saw me from a distance and how I acted and dealt with the family. So when we had our conversation, there was no hesitancy with it. But, of course, you know, she she would be there. we would have discussions. And she was always good at speaking with the children, everything anyway, about Mm. different things you got wrong. But since they were already young, you're just part of the family anyway. Mm. So there was really no blowback there the challenge comes with you still need to build that that trust and that bond with the children and with their mother as you know a newlywed and everything else as a wife so all of that is very important Mm. But it's having an open communication and then demonstrating it You know saying so whether you're sitting there watching movies with the kids you're playing with them and they're they feel Involved and invited, Mm. you know There's not much that's gonna change now if they get in trouble they'll be in there in the horse position. (laughs) You'll raise your foot. All of those things still apply. But that's after you've already touched their heart. You know, I learned a long time ago that a real leader is not going to ask for a hand. You know what I'm saying? First, you want to touch a heart before you ask for a hand. Mm -hmm. So I had to do that and demonstrate my love for them and build some trust. Um, And it didn't, you know, it doesn't take long. It -hmm. just takes you being intentional with it. So we have to understand everybody has feelings and emotions and everything. The challenge is, they may be wrong in their emotions and their feelings. Our feeling there are two different things. A lot of times we, can, we confuse emotions with feelings. Emotion is just a hormonal thing that we have. We have a, a feeling, we have a thought, and I said the word feeling, but we have this change that happens, this chain reaction in us. Mm. Neurologically, boom, it's there, there's a something. But feeling is actually the meaning that we assign to something. So if I'm fearful, let's say I'm talking with John Fontaine, I know you have a large audience, a lot of people, right? I can feel nervous. I get butterflies in my stomach or something or get ready to go talk to people I'm in front of a camera. People are scared of public speaking. Right. And that's just fear. That's normal. Mm. Now, the feeling, though, I can either say, oh, man, I'm scared, nervous, and I'm going to mess up and talk to myself like that and have that. Or I can say, you know what? That means it's time to really help people. Mm. Time to shine. This is this is the time. That means I'm being genuine and I'm open and, you know, just being transparent. Mm. So the meaning that I associate with that emotion, fear,
1: mm.
0: is up to me. That's a very powerful thing. You know what I'm saying? So that matters.
1: So let's get back to the three E's. So you've done the three C's. You engage, engage,
0: equip and empower. So you engage. How you feeling? What's your day? Giving, you know, just different assignments and loving them stuff. So you gotta engage them in communication. You have to engage them by evaluating what they're doing and seeing what their what are their likes, encouraging the things. Oh, you like to draw buildings or you like to um, speak or you like to do different art, what have you. Cool, you encourage that, right? You engage them. You have to equip them. Again, as a protector and a provider. It's not just dealing with finances, right? You have to provide them with the tools necessary to win in life. So you have to teach them the dean. You have to teach them the companions. You have to teach them how we got to the place that we are now. You have to teach them how to be proud. You have to teach them to cover the aura, Right? See, one of the challenging things too about blended families is that my uh, bonus son, he's already now he's in his twenties. When he was younger and he became of age, now you have I have children over here biologically with Coach Fatima. Now, he's not biologically my son, so they're not Mahrams. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so with him, there's certain times he couldn't come in the house because they're not covered properly, which they would have to be covered properly because now we have to um, abide by all the rules of being a Mahram and a non-Mahram. The same thing with my bonus daughter. As they became of age, my bonus daughter and then my sons, they were around the same age. No, she has to be covered every time. You know what I'm saying? So that's a unique challenge when it comes to blended families. Like my youngest son with Coach Fatima, he's still young. So he could be around and stuff like that and she's not Mm -hmm. covered. But in a few years as he grows up, he's not going to be able to hug her anymore. You know what I'm saying? So there's the the, the basic separation of things and different challenges that comes with blended families. You know, you just have to be intentional um, with it. So you engage them, then you equip them. You equip them with the knowledge they need. Again, part of the confidant reading between the lines, you equip them with a proper, you know, schooling, you know, and I believe education is different than schooling. I think Mark Twain said, never let schooling interfere with your education, Mm. you know, so always learning and taking a love for learning. So whether that's watching YouTube University, watching different, uh, if it's on different classes, learning different languages, always focusing on growing because there's basically six qualities that we all want in our lives and out of these six qualities that helps develop the fulfillment and joy that you have in your life. Now, empowering means, listen, when you go out to the world, you're equipped, you're good. Now, empowering means, listen, you mm-hmm. have what it takes. I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And sometimes we all need that because we, we feel that we're lacking and that could be mm-hmm. your self-esteem, that could be feeling of beauty with women in general. It's men that, you know, I don't have a job, I'm broke, what am I really, you know, getting married, all these different things. But when you're equipped and everything else, You have to go, and you also have to let them fail.
1: Mm.
0: You have to let them fail. They need to fail at something. That's cool. That doesn't make you a failure. That means if you got the lesson from it, that's much more important. Sometimes losing is far better than winning because it motivates you, forces you to ask questions of yourself, forces you to go back and see what didn't work and what can work and what the differences are. When you win all the time, it may feel great in the moment, but if you don't understand the significance of struggle and how that plays in your success in life. Then you're you're going to just live a regular life, hmm. you know, in a regular life. That's where people just have pools of mediocrity and they're OK at mediocrity. we not we're not sent here for this very short time to be mediocre, meet, be average. I say all the time I read this quote and it said, um, average is nothing but the bottom of the top.
1: Hmm. And it's
0: the top of the bottom. Who said it's OK to be average? That's why we, we want to be outstanding. So whether it's outstanding personal dot com or outstandingmuslimparents.com we want you to be outstanding so at least if you're striving for outstanding and you miss it you might end up at excellent but if you're just shooting for good you're mm. gonna end up with poor you know we might miss the target but at least it's you, you right, aim it and high and
1: all, the, and all these things are in the teaching of islam you know where the prophet mentioned Issan. you know the, the islam iman isan yes. you know there are these levels to this religion these levels to everything you do right not just being a muslim you and want you to be a Muslim. strive
0: To get to the top All of these And it matters That's the thing There's no When we talk about practicality We might know a lot of the fiqh Alright We know the basics Treat your wife good Or treat your children well What does that look like though? Mm. You know what I'm saying? What does it look like? We can go to the Prophet On a number of different examples Right? Love He would get up With Fatima And he would Give her a seat He would kiss her All of these We we see all of these Different things of affection But how does it deal When now we don't like something? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or now you have social media and these different challenges and different people. You know, what does it really look like? Well, it looks like we need to study. It looks like we need to question ourselves and our beliefs and we need to not blindly follow our parents.
1: So what's the, what's the biggest thing that you can think of, the biggest change of, uh, that you had in raising your first children? And how have you changed the, 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 the thing that comes to mind in terms of raising your, your youngest?
0: I think the biggest thing would be allowing them now to just be now again keep in mind these are different sexes because the girls alhamdulillah girls they were good like they're not like the boys we we know that you know healthy girls and boys totally different right so my daughters weren't like my boy my, we played like we had fun for example there was a show on <laughs> uh, called the powerpuff girls I don't know if you had that in the U.K. or anything, but it's called a Powerpuff Girls. And it's these three little superhero girls. They had superpowers and stuff, um, Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles. And I had three daughters at the time, right? Well, I had three daughters first. Then the fourth daughter I had, they didn't have a fourth uh, Powerpuff Girl, so she became like the squirrel on the show or something, right? But so we would, they would jump off the couch and jump on my back, and I'm flipping them over, and I'm being their arch enemy villain from the show called Mojo Jojo. I'm tickling them and playing with them and shooting them. You know, all of this type of stuff going on, right? We're doing a little kung fu together. We have our little kung fu outfits and everything. And we're playing, being really physical and all of that. So it was a lot of fun with my daughters. My boys, they're different. One, I'm older now. Okay, (laughs) so I don't be flipping around and doing this because I was doing a lot more martial arts back then. So today, it's a little different. But the biggest difference I would say is that with the girls, they would have more leeway on certain things. But at the same time, I would be sharper to cut off certain things. So as an example, my mother came by on December 26th, one year, mm-hmm. <laughs> December 26th, the day after their Christmas holiday, mm-hmm. right? I know about Christmas, I used to celebrate it coming up, all this type of stuff, know the history of it, the whole pagan um, solstice, winter solstice and all this kinds of stuff, right? And knowing Jesus, I was not, wasn't even born at that time, not even the Bible, I mean, in mm-hmm. Palestine and Philistine, they, they don't have the sheeps out in the wintertime, It's snow covering the ground. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she comes by and she's, you know, remember that, has hated Islam. She kicked my brother out of the house, you know, saying before he was killed and stuff like that, and just always expressed her hatred for it and so on. But she decided one year she's going to bring some gifts. It's like my children. And they have this thing that the children that Santa Claus forgot. That's mm-hmm. like a, a charity type thing where the day after Christmas, you get different sales and different poor people. You could just bring different gifts and drop them off to them because, hey, you know, Santa Claus might have just forgot you, but we didn't forget you. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, it's, it's a thing. So she came out of the house and she had like some bikes, she had some other stuff. And I'm, I, w- I was like, no, it's not coming here. No, we don't do Santa Claus. We don't ever do that. Don't you ever bring anything? You know, I, I just kind of went off. I didn't raise my voice, now, but I'm like, do not bring that here. My- Santa Claus didn't forget my kids. We don't do Christmas. They have birthdays. We have Eid. If you want to do something, do it during those times. Well, we're not doing this. We're not going to have, oh, the day after Christmas. Now my children are looking forward to Christmas holiday to get. Nope. I cut that off to begin with, mm. so now I'd have done it a little differently. I mean, I'd have took something I wouldn't have allowed it in the house, and maybe they would have got it during Eid or something else, or they'd have got to give. But I was just like, get it out of here.
1: You know, mm. I was rougher
0: on that because the family, the relatives, were still trying to come at me hard
1: with yeah. this
0: Christianity, trying to just drip stuff. Yeah. So I just cut cut the snake head off every single time, and I didn't do it in the best fashion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now I can be wiser with doing it and explaining it to the kids. I didn't explain it to them back then. So now I explain more or have my wives, they explain more versus um, how I did it before. I just cut it off. I was upset. I went on on to something else. You know what I'm saying? So the (laughs) biggest thing is I would have been wiser in my approach at that time. You know, um,
1: the biggest thing every year. Okay, I get a call from. I know you don't celebrate Christmas, but <laughs> you
0: know it's coming. come by and see the relatives you know, and this yeah. and that. Then they want to try to take a picture yeah. in front of the Christmas tree. No, you're not <laughs> going to get out there in front of a Christmas tree, and I'm not coming by during that time. <laughs> and if any of my relatives cared enough to see me, they would mm-hmm. come by our houses. They're always, you know, most of them are welcome. Yeah. But we're not coming during your time, mm-hmm. you know. And I have had some people. So, come the, but, but
1: would you, wouldn't you say that was more? That was more about you uh, as a as a new Muslim. Be, mm-hmm. being you know then more about parenting. well a new because, parent too
0: because i wanted yeah. to cut off anything mm-hmm. that had any resemblance to kufr yeah. with my children you know what i'm saying yeah. so now if i'm gonna talk about how i parent them specifically i would say that it's probably the discipline part Probably mm-hmm. discipline part where um looking at the progressive levels of discipline it was a few years and they, again they're five six years old that was a discipline part. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to have more uh, enough freedom, more freedom in the small house we were in, to play just a whole lot more and interrupt. You know what I'm saying? We're now the house is bigger, so they can go ahead and play. and The boys flip and do this, and I understand them doing that, so I'm more patient. So mm-hmm. with them, it wasn't as patient.
1: You know yeah. what I'm saying?
0: But they were still weren't flipping and doing all that kind of stuff. But that's really the only thing. It hasn't changed much, mm-hmm. but it just got wiser. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? In in the approach mm-hmm. and in the patience. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like I like the approach of the especially the discipline approach. You know, it's because it, a lot of the time with Muslims, especially, it's just uh, discipline is just the slipper. There's nothing else. There's no thought about why did you intend to do it? Did you not intend to do it? Just pass me the slipper. You know? <laughs> it's um, not going to help. Whereas you know more like you say more pers- purposeful uh, parenting. You know, thinking about it more, and just educating them on where they've gone wrong. We want to raise empathetic human beings.
0: You know, that doesn't Mm. mean it's not a place for aggression. It is. Mm. Men should be aggressive. We should know how to use aggression. We should understand violence is neutral and learn how to use it for our benefit. Otherwise, how else can you hunt? Mm. How else can you do strategy? That's one reason we love football and different sports, whether it's Mm. talking about American football or we're talking about football. The real football, yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So we get excited, right? Because that helps our testosterone levels be normalized. And a healthy man has 10 times more testosterone than a healthy woman Mm. so we need to know aggression violence archery bow and arrow horseback riding how to do certain things these are normal natural woman is not going to understand that we get excited and excited about something quiet down please you know it's different for them you know but understanding that and seeing it in children i remember there was a um there was a study that was done on uh these parents and the parents are trying to raise their children non like non-gender right <laughs> and so they gave their daughters trucks they had some trucks and then they gave the boys dowels and they didn't you know whatever color they choose to wear they just let them wear didn't really matter well one father i remember reading about this the father came in and saw the trucks lined up against the wall with a blanket over it. and they saw the son with the heads popped off and you know fighting and all this kind of stuff most the kids right so the moral ended up being that you know what the girl was she said the father asked the daughter what are you doing why, why are the trucks?'" Over here she's like, shh, they're sleeping, they're taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? normal natural stuff she would've done with dolls. They're born with this inherent thing, right? And the boy, what, you know, what are you doing? Oh, they have a fight, this is a royal rumble and they're gonna be doing this and that and blah, blah, blah with these dolls. They turned into action figures, right? So just these basics and these different gender roles, Man. all of these little things matter. So understanding that difference makes all the difference in the world. So if you're just going right to the slipper or going right to the belt, you're not utilizing the vast amount of tools that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we look at ourselves, we didn't, we didn't prefer that. If you go to school and you just have a professor that yells at you all the time, you don't like that. You like the one who's more welcoming. You know, and then we think mm-hmm. about a uh, lot of, I talked about the Prophet said to Islam, about the companions. Saying mm-hmm. if you was harsh hearted toward them, you would have just chased them away. Mm-hmm. And I know that because my father was like that. It's Like, okay, he may call, okay, am I in trouble? Did I do something? Versus being welcoming, you know, like my grandfather was. Mm-hmm. But I heard my grandfather was when he was younger. Yeah. So they would say a lot like, my aunts and uncles, they, you didn't do that when we were
1: kids. It's because of that experience. <laughs> you always find that the grandparents are more lenient on the grandchildren. Yeah. But it's because of that. Like you say, you, you're now at the stage, you know, 26 years experience as a father. Mm-hmm. You know, you're about to become a... A grandfather, inshallah. inshallah And it's going to be the same You know, if they compare You know, their mother's uh, upbringing <laughs> To their to how you treat their grandchildren It's because you've got that experience mm-hmm. You know, and And, and more love yeah. And you
0: can do So we need, parents, we need yeah. to learn
1: this You know, this is why the, You know, the <laughs> younger people Like the younger generation um, I don't know if I come under that 35 But, you know, we can learn From that experience You know, 26 years experience As a father You know, we can hopefully Try to learn from that you know, of, of, you
0: know, some principles are timeless. Yeah. And one thing we have to recognize is that our children born today, they're not for today's world. I mean, if we're looking at 2021 or 2022, they're actually made for 2047, mm-hmm. 20, 20, yeah, 47 to 2052. Mm-hmm. For 25 and 30 years out, when they hit their mid 20s, so, that's the world they're made for. And if we look at how things have accelerated so fast with the microchip in the 70s, computers in the 80s, mm-hmm. the internet in the 90s, and now we're dealing with blockchain technology and everything else, the world is going to look vastly different mm-hmm. in 20, 25 years than now. Mm-hmm. So it's those timeless principles that are Islamic principles that mm-hmm. are that foundation in understanding the different stages they go through. So one through seven is one thing. The eight through preteen, then of course teenagers and young adults. Those three C's and three E's operate differently there. Yeah. But what we found is that Sometimes dysfunction in the family comes because the, the parents' relationship sucks.
1: Mm.
0: You know what I'm saying? So what happened is my wives and I formed outstanding personal relationships because we, I chose to practice religion. They don't practice polygyny Again, it's a man having multiple wives. So I'm loyal to two women, and it can be loyal up to four women at one time, mm. according to Islam. But in polygyny, there are different dynamics you're not exposed. So we, we mentioned uh, uh, the blended family mm. dynamic, right? Then, of course, you're living in society, that is anti-morals so what's normalized is homosexuality or transgender stuff and all of this type of thing but when you talk about a moral form of marriage there's a man being loyal to these women providing for them taking care of them raising a family raising these children that gets ostracized and it's really sad that it happens mainly for Muslims Mm. because non-muslims recognize it they recognize that hey you know this is a a you know
1: I I watched a video a video of yours popped up last night uh, on my youtube he was on a panel with five five non-Muslims. Yeah, African American yeah. uh, non-Muslims.
0: Yeah, Tammy Mac Late Show. And
1: everyone had <laughs> different different views. Um, you had one uh, guy who is against it, right? And then you had one woman who's for it, but we not in a marriage. It wasn't really necessarily. Yeah, it was the boyfriend, in a mar- girlfriend and stuff. It yeah. was crazy, man. Well, but,
0: one thing that was common.
1: I was, I was like, let him speak, let him speak. <laughs> Give him five minutes to explain. Um, but you know, he just makes it, when you see yourself. When I saw you with with all the other opinions, because they literally had mm-hmm. five different opinions uh, to yours on there. So six mm-hmm. different opinions about uh, polygyny or polygamy, etc. And yours is the only one that made sense. The Islamic narrative was the only one no that made sense.
0: No question. And look at the people on there that say, yes, um, it's okay if my you know, spouse cheats. Just don't tell me about it. Or the other no, lady say, there yeah, there my no. grandfather, they were together 40 years. Yes, my grandfather stepped out, yeah. but he didn't bring it home. He was a good man. So they, they are accepting yeah. of being immoral hmm. and having these challenges versus... A man stepping up to the plate
1: and doing yeah. what he's supposed to do and lead. I mean, and then you actually started off with making that very clear. We're talking about, uh, you know, being moral. Mm-hmm. You know, you made that clear. We're not talking about, you know, uh, subhanAllah. It, it was so clear. I recommend checking it out. What's the show called? <laughs> the
0: show was on our YouTube channel, Outstanding Personal Relationships. Yeah. But the name of the show was the Tammy Mack Late Show. It actually aired um, in L.A. on the West Coast in the U.S. on TV. So either. it streamed live that night on their, yeah. their site, but the next day it airs on TV. Yeah. And again, When, you, when act-
1: you see that, you realize the the solutions that Islam has. I mean, Absolutely. it's not just about, oh, it would be nice. It's about people need it. Mm-hmm.
0: And they're actively looking for it. We have many non-Muslims. Allah. Allah, some have even actually accepted Islam. Um, based just really on the structure, because mm. we talk about Islam. The thing is, you can talk about it. You could be about it. You could live that lifestyle and demonstrate Mm. how it is superior when it comes to moral. If the Prophet said that he came to perfect moral character, Mm. then there must be something behind that. When you look at the family structure, you look at the political structure, you look at how society was, you look Mm. at them from the drinking aspect and getting high or you look at it from um, the, the whole poetry Stuff yeah. So you got these, this poetry going on, you got this drinking going on, sound like regular stuff every, every weekend for where I'm from. And then you look at now the structure that requires a man to be this, yeah. requires a man to actually take the lead in a masculine fashion yeah. and to be purposeful with what he's doing and have people um, under his care and concern that he's empathetic with and, and leads for and is willing to die yeah. for. We have that inner warrior, but if your inner warrior is not being nurtured, yeah. then what are you becoming? You know what I'm saying? That worry can be utilized for business now. That can be utilized for leading in society. That can be utilized for dawah. But you need to have that. Why? Because that's what life is. It's ups and downs. It's drama. Mm-hmm. No, you don't want to watch a movie or read a book that doesn't have ups and downs. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It needs to move you. Use our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So people see that. And you have lots of non-Muslims that see it. Like It's easy. Say, mm-hmm. This is a solution. I just want honesty. If a man is honest mm-hmm. and upfront with me, let me choose. Don't be sneaky and sly. It's just timeless principles.
1: Yeah. Be
0: truthful in, in, in what you're doing. It's
1: easy. SubhanAllah. But
0: it requires a man to be much more than yeah. um, the average man.
1: You know, subhanAllah, you know, great, great points that you mentioned, great principles. And, uh, you know, it's a nice, uh, I, learned, I learned a lot. And uh, I, think, I think people at home will actually benefit, um, you know, to actually think about think a bit more about raising children you know because sometimes when we we, we read a hadith about the prophet وسلم, but we, we can't visualize it we can't uh, see that like how do we implement that in our own lives so you know it's about trying to trying to bring these hadith to you know to life basically you know no, in, in our own lives that's
0: what it's supposed to be yeah. an example he's the best example yeah. If we don't know how to follow that example or where it applies, Mm. then we're losing. Mm. Then it sounds like just a story from back in the day or just you know some some advice.
1: This is the the
0: open book test that we have. Mm. We have an open book test for gender. Mm. So if we fail it, it is only our fault. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't get that piece because Mm. I want to be greedy, get as many blessings as I can. Mm. So who knows? You know, only Allah knows when we're gonna pass. Mm. But if we're putting out something that can benefit people like right now in this digital form that may last 20, 30, 100 years for great grandchildren, and great, great grandchildren. I will never meet until kiyama and it benefits me. Alhamdulillah, I'll be I'll be mm. grateful now mm. for that opportunity. We have stuff that if you look at the four famous imams or the sahaba, they're still getting barakah to this day mm. for well over you know a millennia now. Mm. So it's important that we be proactive in what mm. we're doing. We don't want to be that weak link in the chain. Mm. I don't want to be that. So whether it's dealing with polygyny or raising our children, this is the foundation for society. If your family is weak mm. and governments and oppressors know that. If your family is weak and distracted and chasing this stuff, it's over. I think it was mm. Imam Jalzi Rahimahullah who said, listen, Shaitan said three things to the human being. He said, listen, I'm old and you're new. Mm. I mean, he knows all of our vices. We're new, right? He says, I have one mission. You you're distracted. You're all over the place. And three, I can see you. And You can't see me. Mm. And if Allah Ta'ala says he's our open enemy and the prophet of Islam demonstrated how to attack that enemy and to be on defense against it and how to win, then it's our responsibility to take that thing serious. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we, we try to do what we can. And polygyny, that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. because it's an ancient solution to a modern day problem but once we can look at things rationally once we look at the benefit of society over our Mm -hmm. personal emotions because islam puts the benefit of society as a whole Mm -hmm. above our personal feelings
1: yeah inshallah i would look forward to maybe we can do a program in the future about uh, polygyny and your experiences and what you've learned over the years um but subhanallah i really enjoyed today's show you know and uh may allah bless all your children guide them grant them for all I your mean, family right? I mean, likewise, likewise and uh you know you, you're Amidu. uh may I reward you and uh thank you for the oh, for the uh, it's, it's
0: definitely my pleasure man i appreciate Zizakha. you uh being that voice for the Ummah and, and carrying on and allowing us to get extra barakah
1: jazakallah